Be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, and it is August 11th, 2021, folks. I believe it's a Thursday, if I'm correct, unless somebody switched the calendar on me, I could be wrong. But in any case, folks, I want to talk about a subject that has come up and is of vital interest and importance to single mothers. Now... I want to stress this, not to scare you, but to inform you. Now, there are many of you, single mothers, out there on the dating scene looking to meet Mr. Wright. Let me give you a few tips that will help you in a little bit more comprehensive way of screening the guys. Now, it doesn't matter whether you have several baby's fathers or having one baby father. Let's talk about it. Ladies, first thing, and I see this mistake happen more often than not. You introduce your kids to this man too soon. You want to give yourself at least 90 days before he meets the children. I know that may seem impractical for many of you because your kids are an integral part of your life and your kids are probably with you most of the time. Here's why I say this in particular. You want to feel comfortable first with him. And it's going to take about that long for you to do that. To get through some of the half-truths, some of the lies, misrepresentation, in order to vet the guy and really find out what he's about. What you're trying to do is establish the foundation of your relationship first before you bring those kids into the mix. Now, as you know, I'm one who believes that a woman should, when it comes down to a child or children, have them as a privilege for him to meet and not a necessity, not a requirement. Now, What you can do is prep the kids for the guy. You like the guy. He's handsome, et cetera, et cetera. They can see his picture. You can tell them about him. And what you're doing with the kids, you're building expectations. Now, here's the thing. You only want to go to them with this information after you have vetted him, after you have factually researched and know that he is who he is. Things such as what he works, what he does for a living. And the very first thing you need to look at, ladies, is what kind of impact will he have on you and your children if you were to be together? This is vital. This is crucial. 
You want to examine how does he feel about kids. If on your profile you have that you have kids, and on his profile, for instance, he doesn't have any, you want to see what his attitude and disposition is about kids in general. He may not like kids. He may want to say, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's schedule a date without them. Uh, I don't want to meet them. I don't like kids. If he comes out with something like that, he's not the guy for you. I don't care how much you love him, how much you want him. And don't force him on your kids. Because you love him and you like him. And you're saying, oh, they're going to do what I say. Don't be so quick to make that decision. What you should do is to also include the children in that decision-making process. Kids are very perceptive. They see things that you will not. They will notice things. They're very, very detail-oriented. They might look at him and say, Mom, you know what? Why are his fingertips burnt? Oh, child, don't worry about that. Why are his fingertips like a brownish-yellow color? Oh, don't worry about that. These things are vital. They could look at him and say, Hey, Mom, I think he's doing drugs. Why would you say that? Look at his fingernails. Kids observe things. Don't ignore them. But now, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go to the start. You meet the guy. You guys are chatting. He may ask you, do you have any children? You could tell them. But here's the thing I would be leery of. Don't tell them of their names. You could give them a roundabout number on their age. That's about it. Next thing the man is going to try to find out is whether or not the father is still in their lives and what capacity is he in their lives. That's very important. If you're not messing around with the father anymore or if the father's not present, doesn't want to have any interest in the kids or anything like that, it's okay to let him know that. If it's a situation where you're still going through the throws with the father as far as custody and all of that, let him know that. Now, I recommend that you more than likely should get that resolved before dating. It's an easier transition. Some women like to do this in order to have the guy prove prove his loyalty and prove that's not a good tactic. That's not a good way to go. Because here's the thing. He'll feel as though he's signing up for something that he really didn't sign up for as far as not the kids, but the battle between the ex and you. So try to have that dissolved prior to. Now, if you're just going for your needs only, the kids can be out of the equation. You go to his place, you go to a hotel, and that's it. Do not invite him to your home while your kids are there. I will tell you that up front. Now, depending on the kind of arrangement you have with your ex or with the baby's father, where he may have to, you know, meet them or something of that sort. Make sure that he can meet your standards and the standards of your, of the baby's father if you're co-parenting. Very important.
because you want a smooth transition. You don't want a disruptor. You don't want a guy to come in and try to prove that he can be the father and then butt heads with the biological dad. You want it where there's a smooth ecosystem where all of you guys can get along. I've talked about this in an earlier podcast. You can go back and look at the intricacies of it. But here's the thing that I want to stress more so than anything here. When you're vetting him, you want to find out what was his relationship with his family. Very important. If he's a person that's not family-oriented, that's a red flag for you. No matter how handsome or how fine, ladies, that's a red flag. How does he feel about his mother? How does he feel about his siblings? His parents? I want to find these things out. Another thing. Many of you will go and get someone out of necessity. Some of you may even classify it as desperation to some degree. Someone to help to pay the rent. Someone to help to pay the bills. Someone to help to take care of the children. Don't have that as your premise to start a relationship with a guy. Because in that way, you're lowering the standards. You don't know what kind of guy you're going to get in your household. And he could be more of a problem than he could be an asset. Certain things he should have when he comes to your doorstep. Transportation. A job or career. Preferably a career, not a job. A career is more sustainable. He loses a job in one place. He can get a job in another. When he just has a job, he may work as a handyman in one place and then maybe a maintenance man at another one, which means that there may be gaps in his employment. If he's on any kind of disability, as long as it's stable, okay. What you don't want is someone who is a liability. Make sure you can pay your own bills first for you and your kids. As long as you can do that, then you have a better chance. What happens a lot of times, guys are under the impression that they have to come in and they have to pretty much take on everything that the baby's father left, which means that the mom is destitute and just desperate to find someone to help her pay bills. If you come across like that, this is why most of the guys will pass you over. They're not interested in taking on that kind of liability responsibility. Now, as you know, some men have a problem taking care of someone else's responsibility as they see it, somebody else's child, that kind of thing. There are other guys who don't have a problem with it. Now, the thing to come to grips with is as you are vetting this person and trying to find out more about them, take notice of their lifestyle. Take notice of the environment in which you met that person. Because here's the thing. If you meet them by chance, like you're out at a nightclub, restaurant, or somewhere like that, is this a place where you don't mind seeing them again? Because nine times out of ten, people are creatures of habit. So 
where you meet them is probably where you'll see them again. Grocery store, different places like that. Now, have in mind these rules. First one, you're the only person that disciplines those kids. Second one, if he has a problem with one of the children, he goes to you and not to the kid directly. Some men feel as though they could just come in and tell this child what to do. And some women will say, well, I got a man and he's your father, that kind of thing, or else he's the male figure, he's my boyfriend or whatever, you listen to him. Don't delegate that authority. You should be the principal authority over those children at all times. The reason why you want to do this is because they've already got a relationship with you. They don't have one with him. They have to establish that with him. The other thing is this. You want him where he's wise and can inform and help them with their growth as they develop. He backs you up. In other words, you're the president, he's the vice president. That's the way it works. Now, the guy has to understand that his place is third in the equation. Kids first, you the woman second, he's third. So you have to establish those ground rules up front. Now, other factors. You could describe your kids to him as you guys get to know each other a little bit better about their personalities, who likes what, who does what, who jokes about what. You want to build up the anticipation among the children to meet this guy. What I'm saying is you don't falsely make him this monolith. But what you do is practically share some of the things with him with them that you have verified. And the kids will probably tease you, mommy, you really like him, huh? That kind of thing. Now, when you're comfortable, and I suggest 90 days, it can be shorter, but 90 usually is about a good range. You may have an event where you guys can meet. You want to have something where it's an all-inclusive event. Don't bring him to your house on the first date to meet the kids. Instead, do something like maybe go to Chuck E. Cheese or wherever. An event where the kids can have fun. And you see how he interacts with them in that environment. And how he interacts with you. There have been situations, I had a friend of mine, he was a kid at heart, and he was with a single mom. And hell, it got came to a point where he had more fun with the kids than he did with his own girlfriend. And she got jealous because he and the kids were going to the beach. They were going to all of these other places and she would tag along, but she kind of wanted some time to be with him. And he had more fun with them because he was a child at heart. You run across that sometimes. So you want something that's measured, something that's balanced. Now, another thing too is this. 
as you guys have normalized that person being in your life the visit the first visit should be short no more than about three hours max that might be a movie night where you have dinner or something like that you all are together to see how he will interact in your environment if it's feasible it should be able to be a situation where he invites you guys over to his place now understand one thing you want to go over to his place prior to them coming over the reason being is that you want to assess whether or not it'll be a good environment for the kids to be around certain things I would tell you to stay away from if you can help it any kind of marijuana drugs or anything of that sort alcohol that kind of thing you want an alcohol free environment or just where it's exclusive for you and him telling the kids that don't do this and that kind of thing you're setting the example those kids are going to say now wait a minute she's a hypocrite she's telling us not to drink and yes she's drinking so when we get older it's okay for us to drink that's the way kids think so if you follow the model and establish it for them they'll be a lot more compliant because you got to remember one thing about a child when you have got your child's trust you don't have to yell at them you don't have to spank them the only thing you have to do is tell them one time and they have confidence in what you've told them because they believe in you and your integrity because you set the example and when they see this they know not to do certain things you know I'll give you an example like going into the store when I was a child and my mother would take me to the store with her with my father the interesting thing was my mom told me in the beginning you ask me for things that you would like to purchase and I will think about buying them so the rule was I had to bring whatever I wanted to her and she would assess as to whether or not she would purchase it it wasn't where I could just go throw something in the basket and everything was cool and the reason why she did that was one she told me about how she had a budget and she would break it down in practical terms to tell me this is what I have to spend today this is what I have available to spend and this is what you can spend in that budget and it usually was five dollars of course back then things were cheaper so I would always be cognizant that it had to be within $5 in a $5 range. So I would see other kids that grab things and put them in a the basket and then the parents whooping them and I'll put that back and that kind of stuff. Never had that problem. Because see, I had confidence in what my mom told me. Because what she do? She set the example. And this is what I'm saying. That parent that sets the example for their children makes it much easier to manage because what happens then your confidence and what you told them outweighs anything that they will be exposed to if it doesn't measure up to that standard that you established for your kid that kid's going to avoid that situation no matter how tempting it is and that's the way it works now 
when it comes down to the guy, he should clear whatever rules that he sees that needs to be implemented through you and not just arbitrarily come out. This is where parents sometimes conflict when one parent said one thing and one said another. Or the boyfriend says one thing and the girl says another. Now, establish with him also that if you have certain rules for the kids, they stand and they are non-negotiable. Because that would ruin your integrity as the parent when it comes down to their confidence in your judgment. Now, with him, you want to have it established where, okay, uh, you could do this for them if you want to or do that for them if you want to, but in moderation. So he knows what the parameters are. So like the kids will go, Mommy, can we have some candy? And she may play the role of like, uh, I don't know, you have to ask him. Even though you guys have already pre-discussed it, and the answer was yes. And then he will know, okay, you can have candy with that moderation. Oh, no, that's too much candy. You can have this, this, and this. And in that way, it will kind of ingratiate him with them. Now, going forward, other things you need to talk about prior to him even coming close to being around the kids you need to, at some point in the early stages of the relationship, if you can still have children, to find out whether or not he wants to have another child. This is one problem I used to face with single mothers when I would date them. They would lead with, well, I see you don't have any children, so we're going to have another baby. From that moment on, that killed everything that I'd even thought it about as far as going forward with them. Because it's like, okay, that means that what she's probably going to do is set me up to have a kid. And I'm not down for that. Especially if she kept bringing it up over and over again as a way of kind of fermenting this whole endeavor between the two of us. What's going to happen? He should get mad because I'm wearing a condom. Well, you don't need to wear a condom. No, yes, I do. Mm-mm. I ain't taking that chance. I don't know you that well yet to make that leap of faith. Now, ladies, if you're on birth control, have him wear a condom. Have him wear a condom regardless. The reason why I say this is because Especially when you're first sleeping with him and if you haven't slept with a guy in a while, you want to do that. He's new. You don't know what bacteria he may have on his body. You don't know what's going inside you. And he goes into you raw. You wind up with some kind of infection or some kind of venereal disease. That's not a good thing. Just be careful in the initial stages. It's a gradual thing where you guys become exclusive and you get to a point where the two of you are together and then you could look at going raw or whatever if you are comfortable with it as a couple. Now, 
And these are just things to help you. I mean, hell, some of you are saying, man, this shit is old. What you talking about? Et cetera, et cetera. Because I get that a lot. And yet these are some of the same people that write in and complain, damn, I, I wasn't ready to be a father yet. Or something to the effect of, well, you know, I, I got my tubes tied. I don't have nothing to worry about. And yet the girl winds up with a case of gonorrhea as the woman did out in uh, Iowa. You have to be very careful. And see, this vetting process takes a little bit longer if you have children than it would if you were single. Because you have other people that you're responsible for. When you're just responsible for yourself, yes, you can go out, take the bumps, lumps, and everything else. You can't do that so much when you have children. And I know it's difficult for many of you because you get discriminated against because you have children and guys don't want a woman with a ready-made family. That's understood. But here's the thing. You still have men, men out there who want you. You're not quite at 100% marketability for the most part. You're about 75% when you have children. And depending on the number of them, that number as far as marketability decreases. Now, you'll find a guy who will sleep with you. That's no problem. Some guys operate on the stereotype that, well, she's had a child already or she had children. So therefore... And I don't want to hear none of this nonsense about no sex. And this is all they will go for. Now, another thing, too, to keep in mind. The rules in your house are already established. Understand this. And keep these rules in place. Don't allow him to come in and change rules that will go to the detriment of those children. Some ladies will do this, but they didn't allow any alcohol in the house, and all of a sudden, this guy has a fridge full of beers, and the kids are constantly talking about, Mommy, I want a beer, when they weren't talking about that before he came along. Homework. Find out what his strengths or weaknesses are when it comes down to homework. If he's good in math and you're horrible in math, ask him, hey, Bobby needs some help with his algebra. Could you help him? Allow him to do that. This will win his son's confidence or daughter's confidence in him. Make sure you do a background check on him. I'm not saying you got to go and find out every little thing he's done in life, but to see whether or not he's had any kind of uh, convictions. Check the sexual predators list in your community before you invite him over to meet your family. And that's free to do. You can go on any one of these websites and check that. reason why I say this in particular a friend of mine was getting ready to date this guy and I suggested that she had two daughters 
This guy was a registered sex offender. And she asked him about that on a date. And he said, oh yeah, I was going to tell you. The question was when. In large part, he didn't want to talk about it. But eventually found out he was accused of rape and convicted of it. You have to go to that extent. Another thing you want to do. You don't want to leave the kids alone with him. He is not your babysitter. I've seen women do this. They go to work. They move the guy in. They go to work. And they leave him there with them. And this is not only for men. Ladies, if you have a girlfriend and the two of you are together, abuse is abuse. You don't want to start doing this until you're sure and you're comfortable that this person doesn't have those tendencies. Inappropriateness, inappropriate touching, that kind of thing. Also, listen to your children. Children may observe something or may tell you something and don't be afraid to confront that person about whatever that child tells you. Now, moving in, that's a question that I get a lot. And Angel, this is to answer your question up there in Butte, Montana. Angel is dealing with a situation where she has this guy that she's been communicating with out of Indiana. And right now he lives in an apartment. She has a nice ranch and a home. She's a mother of three. And the kids are eight, nine, and I think the oldest is 14. And she's debating whether or not to move this guy in. I told her what I would do if I was in her shoes is have him get an apartment close to you and then you vet him and then if he measures up maybe you could look at either him moving in with you or you guys getting a place together. The dynamic changes when a man moves in a home especially if the kids are used to seeing their mom with the father. Some kids cannot accept the fact that mom has moved on and got another man. That's to be expected. So you want to have a talk with your children well in advance about that and about some of the arrangements, about some of the changes that's going to take place. But here's the thing. You don't want to make those many changes in that environment. You're looking for a man that can adapt well to what you've already established. Ladies, another thing I will tell you. If you're dealing with a man who's financially strapped because he's paying child support and has a whole bunch of other kids, 
that is not a good choice for you. I don't care, again, how fine or how much money he has. I don't recommend that. Now, if he has kids, for instance, and he is paying child support, and take for instance, he was married and he's divorced, he's paying child support, okay, that's fine. But when it's a situation where he's burdened down and he's got multiple kids all over the place, you're going to have to think about that. You've really got to really think long and hard about that. Is this a proper choice for you and your children? We're going to talk more in just a moment. Now, there's one thing, there's one thing that comes up a lot when it comes down to being a single parent, which I'm not. But I've experienced this when I was married to a single mother. That awkward situation when you're at that point and you're in the bedroom early morning and the kids burst in the room on a Saturday morning and you guys are under the covers together. Now, what do kids like to do? They like to get in the, under the cover with their mom. Be mindful of this, folks. Don't forget to wear pajamas. And that was one of the rules that was established with me and my ex. We'd have our fun, but before the kids would wake up, we'd make sure showers and all that good stuff and the pajamas, and then we'd go to bed. Because the reason being, even though they were supposed to knock, a lot of times they wouldn't. They'd burst in, and they'd want to get under the covers and that kind of thing. That's normal. That's cool. The main thing to keep in mind, too, is that once they are comfortable with seeing you with the guy ladies in that kind of environment, then what happens, they kind of grow an attachment in the sense that, okay, we see you two together. So now they're the police force when it comes down to you guys going somewhere. Take Francis. He may take the children to the store with him. And the woman tries to hit on him. And the kids will be the first to say, "Uh uh-uh. Nope, he's taken. Sorry. They become very possessive. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And kids will definitely snitch. They try to cheat. And that's a very good thing. Now, they will take infidelity very difficult. I know difficult. That wasn't good a word. They will take it very tough. 
I'll make up a word, toughly. No, in other words, they will take infidelity as an affront. They don't like it. Because the one thing kids will look for is hypocrisy. Don't tell me to do something and then turn around and you're doing the same thing and using the excuse that you're an adult. That doesn't work. Kids are smarter than that. So, in essence, you want to make it where you're doing something in the context of setting the example, being loyal, being devoted. And then it will get to the point where the kids will start to find out about his habits, the things he likes. He'd be in the grocery store, he said, oh, hey, don't forget to get the Dr. Pepper. You know you like Dr. Pepper. These touches, these things. And then the closeness, the bond. Now, here's another thing, ladies. When you see this relationship evolve with this new man and your children, you look at yourself and you should pat yourself on the back for making a good choice. One of the other challenges, of course, is him meeting the biological father. Take that the biological father may have joint custody. You don't want an adversarial situation. So you want to prep the biological father just like you did the kids for this guy. So when he meets this man, he knows that, hey, this is a good fit. Now, I always suggest that you do this prior to him meeting the children. But I know in some cases, that is not the case. Because you may have to deal with an adversarial biological father. You may have to deal with someone that don't want to meet him, but he doesn't want his kids around him either. And some people will use this as a control mechanism. I had a friend of mine got custody of his daughters. And his ex-wife was like that. She had joined this religious group and got with a new man who was in that group. And they thought that the kids were tarnished because they favored the father. Well, the kids saw the transition the mom was making towards this religion. And they weren't comfortable with it. And so they leaned toward dad. And then when dad petitioned for divorce because he could no longer deal with some of the teachings that she had prescribed for the kids, the judge kind of saw that, hey, you know, it looks like uh, he's right and you're wrong. But she still wanted to see her children. And it was a harrowing experience for them every time they went over to visit. They basically had to placate mom and her new man until they can get back to dad. And they would tell dad, hey, you know, they tried to brainwash us and have us go and do all these things. 
And of course, dad would get the debriefing. He would try to talk to his ex about it. And of course, that fell on deaf ears. Now, years later, she and that gentleman divorced, took him back to court, tried to fight for the custody of her kids back. The kids didn't want to go back because they had lost confidence in their mother's judgment. They loved her, but they couldn't trust her judgment. This happens, folks. So, you want to make sure that you have that running dialogue between yourself and that other person if you're co-parenting. So, when your partner is introduced to that person, they will know that they've been vetted and that they're going to work together because the goal for you, your partner, your ex, and possibly his new woman is to see whether or not you guys can all four get together for the best interests of those children. Now, what could possibly happen also, it could be a situation where Hey, maybe he went on and had kids. The ex went on and had kids with the new woman. And there could also be a situation where you have exchanges. I had a friend of mine that when he divorced, his wife went on, ex-wife went on and had kids with another man. He kept custody of the two children. And he got married again. And what they literally would do, (laughs) they would swap kids over the weekends, every other weekend. They would swap kids. And they grew up to be a very healthy family. And all of those kids went to college. All of those kids had four people at their graduation, four adults at their graduation, every one of them. Birthdays, all four were there. The wedding, when the daughter got married, all four were there. And those distant siblings had a bond that holds to this very day. When they go on trips during the summer, all of them go with their kids now. They have family reunions together. They help each other with careers. One of them moved to one city and bought the other one there in order to get a start on life. And that bond can be broken. These kids actually set up a means in order to take care of all four of their parents. When they got ill, when they got sick, they had a strategy, they had a plan. Because it came from good parenting from all four parties. It can work. But the thing is, you got to work at it. And the problems that you're having, if uh, you and your partner may have some difficulty, or you may have difficulty with uh, the other partner, other partner the uh, ex. Go to a family counselor. 
work these things out for the best interest of the child. Because see, when the kids see you working together and trying to hold the family together, guess what they're going to try to do? They're going to try to be a unifier. They only react to what the adults do. So if you guys are divisive, they're going to be divisive. So that's what they look for is leadership. They look for standards and boundaries. They look for discipline. I'm not talking about whipping their ass. I'm talking about whipping their minds in shape. And then as they mature, they appreciate you that much more. Because you mean that much to them. Plain and simple. Now, does this always work? Is this like a fairy tale? No. It took hard work for it to get to that point. On the parts of all parties. Nobody waved the magic wand and it just happened overnight. Took a lot of gumption. Took a lot of sacrifice. But it worked. And it can work for you. But what you have to do is have a willing partner to put their shoulder to the wheel like you are in order to make it happen. And some of you get impatient and you just go and you start going on that emotional dopamine rush and just grabbing that person and getting involved and then you go. The worst thing you can do, ladies, is to have a carousel of men coming through your house. The kids will then become indifferent and apathetic. mom's got a new boyfriend oh boy here we go and it's just like you tried to do something and failed so many times that the expectations are so low that they don't have any confidence in your judgment they don't have confidence in you don't put yourself in that category if you can help it another thing too Ladies, please don't think that command and control posture is going to always work with kids. I'm the parent. You do as I say, not as I do. Mm-mm. That makes you feel good. But do a damn thing as far as help rearing your kids. You got to set the example. Words are just that. Until they see action. Those words are moot. Just something for you to think about. More in a moment. Now, let's discuss the initial shock of pregnancy. Let's say you're a female, you don't have any children. Dealing with a guy who doesn't have any. 
You guys have sex. Kind of breaks. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard this excuse. Oh, the condom broke. And every time it's the condom busted. It's never I took off the condom or the condom slipped. It's never something where I left the condoms in my wallet for over two years and I decided to use them on this girl, and it had all dried out, and it was already messed up. Guys, the first thing that a woman hears ad nauseum from a guy is, "What are you going to do after the woman gets pregnant?" It should be, "What are we going to do?" It is our responsibility. How are we going to raise this child? Now. Here's another factor that comes into play, ladies. The longer you wait to tell a man that you're either pregnant or or had the child, the more he's going to more than likely try to deny it. He's already trying to distance himself from you, and some guys are of the mindset, especially younger guys, that. If they break up with you, everything associated with you is done. You find out you're pregnant, contact them and let them know. Especially if you're the only one he's been with, as far as on your side of the equation. See, a lot of times what happens, and you see it on shows like Maury. These women will say, "Well, I I know he's the father, and he can't." And then they find out that this woman slept with multiple men. Don't get into the mindset of messing around and then swearing up and down somebody's the dad when you don't know. You're just hoping because you like the guy that you had sex with last. I'm telling you, that's the worst thing in the world to do. Most women have respect for themselves, and will only have sex with the guy that they're with at that particular time. Some women even space their relationships to ensure that they are not pregnant before they start another one. So, for instance, she dates a guy for a year, she breaks up with him. She gives it a period of about maybe a month or two months before she starts dating again. A lot of these ladies will take that breather and that break, and fellas, you'll run into these women. They'll say, "Well, I'm not really ready for a relationship yet," and they want to just date you. A lot of times, what they're trying to do is to make sure that they're not pregnant. Especially after a breakup, because the last thing they want to do is to rifle through a whole bunch of guys that they've slept with after being with the guy they slept with.
It makes no sense for a woman to have 13 guys on a television talk show to find out who's the father of the child, and none of the 13 of those men are. Reputation, shame, embarrassment, you name it. So these women try to get over the emotional hurt from breaking up. And they're also looking at the fact that, hey, let me just pace myself. I don't want to go through this emotional roller coaster four or five times in a year, even though some do. It's not worth it. They're looking for something that's sustainable and something that's going to last. If you're a single mom, the stakes are far higher for you. Failure has a higher consequence. As a single individual, you have options. And before you sleep together, if you're single with no kids or even if you're are a single mom who can have children again, you might want to sit with your partner and ask the what if question about pregnancy. I know it's not romantic. I know it's not beautiful. I know it doesn't fit your narrative. But you want to see how this person will think from that perspective. A guy I knew was with this lady and she was a single mom. They had gone out but they hadn't had sex yet. And she was very slow to do so because she got pregnant from a one night stand. Never knew who the baby's father was, only knew the guy by his club name and she let him go in a raw. She didn't want to make that same mistake again. Not the child being a mistake, but the decision to be with this guy is the mistake. And so she asked my friend, she says, we've been dating for several months now. What happens if we were to have sex and I got pregnant? What did my friend say? And unfortunately, she didn't know him like I did. He said, well, that's going to be your problem. You the woman, you the one that invite me in between your legs, and you get pregnant, that's on you. That was his mindset. This was an issue that he and I used to argue about all the time. Because he's man, I don't give a damn. I'll go on them raw, I don't care. I just pull out. Because that's what he was taught by his dad. Once she found that out, she dropped the relationship right there. Because she's already gone through one man denying the child, not wanting to have anything to do with it, and she couldn't find him. She wasn't gonna put her she wasn't gonna put another child through that. She wasn't gonna put herself through it. But the problem with some women, they start devaluing themselves because they feel as though the situation is hopeless. 
It's not. I look on YouTube and I see all these women in their 30s now trying to tell these 16, 17-year-old girls about having kids out of wedlock. And these young girls are cussing them out and telling them, old bitch, get off. You don't know what you're talking about. As if these 16-year-olds know what the hell they're doing. And these women tell them how hard it is to rear a child. And they don't, of course, believe. It makes no sense. And, of course, they follow the pattern of many people before and become a statistic. And a lot of times, guys get tired of running into single moms who have realized that they have made a mistake, not in the child, but in the decision they made for a child to be there. And what happens? They put the new guy through hell for the mistake they made by sleeping with the wrong dude. A lot of the times those guys are unbedded. They don't go through the hoops. They don't have to go through all of the difficulty. And here's why. A lot of times it has to do with the fact that the young lady is usually young and she's not thinking on that level. She's not using the critical thinking skills. She's just going with what she feels. And what she feels a lot of times is what she knows. That's their knowledge is how they feel. It's not good enough. Again, it makes them feel good, but it doesn't really help them as far as making informed decisions. And what happens? After they have the child and realize how difficult it is, they're trying to preach this to their own children and to others. And who's listening? Nobody. Just like they didn't listen to anyone, the generation behind them care not to listen either. They have that sense of invincibility and you always think that, oh, you must have messed up somewhere. I had that same disposition when I was a teenager. I would think that, oh man, you messed yourself up because you didn't do this or didn't do that. Very naive. Until you walk in their shoes and you see them. You're right. Things are not like they would seem. I remember as a kid, I said, oh, I'm going to be a billionaire one day. And then you get out there in the world, you start to realize, well, there's this shit called responsibility. I ain't saying nothing about that. That had nothing to do with my dream. And then that hits you on the shoulder. Hi, I'm Responsibility. I'll be with you for the rest of your life. And we're flying at about 34,000 feet. You'll be able to unfasten your seatbelts in just a moment. You start dealing with the reality of things. And then you start seeing that 
children cost a lot of money to house them, to feed them, to clothe them, to educate them, and they take time. And some parents don't have that time, and so they become overly dependent on teachers to become parents and educators and psychologists. And what this happens is that people who aren't prepared to have children, they wind up with this overdependency on social services. And that's where things go left. One reason I had a problem with the pro-life movement—they are there for the child to be born, but yet on the back end they want to be conservative and cut the social, very social services many of those children will need after they're born. Because a lot of those people that they're telling to go in and have the baby. Really cannot afford to have the child on many levels: levels of maturity, level of economics, level of even critical thinking. But for so long, religion has punished women who got pregnant out of wedlock. And so the social punishment in the past used to be having the baby, having the struggle, having the humiliation, having the hardship. That'll teach you about having sex. That's what it was. It was like a whooping, a moral whooping. And now we look at our modern era. Seventy-four to seventy percent African American children are born out of wedlock. Now they're having to reconfigure the family structure in many kind of ways. And there still remain a lot of issues. That have to be resolved because these problems don't go away just because they grow up. They manifest as they grow up, and we have to deal with them as a result. Penal system, crime rate, unemployment rate. We have to look at these things. Sometimes we don't like what we see. Take care.
Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.